Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. 
As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting beside the road, begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought near to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately his sight was, he, was, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word to us. Before I begin, it's a great mistake to tell a story and finish the story halfway through and leave you wondering, what did happen to Joel? There he is in Afghanistan, kidnapped, and I just left, I left him there, left you hanging. Um, Joel was there for six months, and as I said, the mission wouldn't pay a ransom. Uh, His co-worker, an American vet, a retired man, his family were very angry at uh, the policy of not paying a ransom. They threatened legal action against the mission who relented and they paid a ransom and he was released after three months, but the mission wouldn't pay for Joel. It was the time of the 1990s and the war against Russia fought by the Mujahideen. And if you've seen the movie, Charlie Wilson's War... Um, the Americans were funding the Mujahideen to fight the Russians. But when these, this rebel commander kidnapped two Americans, the American government stopped the funding. They stopped the money to the Afghans. So the other Afghan commanders raised the ransom to pay off their own rebel to set Joel free so the money could come running again to support their war against Russia. And I have a photo of Joel surrounded by 
notes this high of money given by other Afghan Mujahideen to pay off the ransom to set him free. So the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, I, that, um, I, worked in, I went to Pakistan. We worked together there, not in the same place as Joel, but we were there. I worked in a Bible college, and for the last year, I was the principal. And uh, I was amazed that morning, noon, and night, there were knocks on my door endlessly from students. These are grown men and women wanting, th- well, wanting things. So, in, in, for example, in Pakistan, the, the electricity is very unreliable. It, it would go out, and you find yourself in darkness. Knock on the door. Brother Mike, Brother Mike, we have no electricity. Well, I am the son of a sparky, guys, but I'm sorry. That's, I can't help you. Why knock on my door? Or they're required to play volleyball twice a week, and the ball would burst. Brother Mike, Brother Mike, our ball has burst. Well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, fix it. <laughs> Or more seriously, one night a guy came at six o'clock uh, with his son limp in his arms and dying, two-year-old. Brother Mike, my son's dying, help me. So just day and night I had these requests. So finally one day in class I said, guys, what is going on? That wasn't my, I used other, the other language. What's, what, you come to my, what's going on? You're grown, you're grown people. Can't you fix your own volleyballs? And one guy said to me, oh, but Brother Mike, you are our ma-bap. And then I understood. Ma, I think, is the same in many cultures. Ma is mother and bap is father. You are our mother-father. Pakistan is a land, owned, much of it owned by wealthy people, like the, you know, the Bhutto family, own vast tracts of land. And the people work for them as their virtual serfs. And come election time, they vote for them. In return, these landowners, the wealthy people, care for them. They might build a little school or a clinic, or they help them out. And in that context of dependence, they're just secure. So the missionaries came to India, Pakistan, and the people became Christians, and uh, in return, the missionaries built the mission schools, the clinics, uh, the, the, the colleges, uh, and I, th- that was me. I was, I was, I was like the Bhutto. I'd, I'd come uh, from the plane, they carried my, my, my suitcases, they'd respect me, and in, in return, I rang the electrician, I got their volleyball fixed, and took the sick boy down to the doctor. So that's, in, that, in that context of childlike dependence, they were utterly and happily secure. If you go to another culture, if you've had this experience, you come back, don't you, and you see your own culture with, with new eyes. And I came home, and what struck me about Australia was where they prize dependence, we prize independence. We teach it, not so much with words, but with all we do, we, we inculcate a sense of dependence. We, we, we reward independent thought. Oh, you thought outside the box. Well done. There they prize rote learning. We prize independent thinking. You get more marks for being independent. Uh, you want your kids come 18, 19, 20? Listen there, Susie, I'd love to have you home, but you, you are 46. Maybe it's time just to try being home, to get out the house, flap your wings, build your own nest. We, 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 we prize independence. It's, it's part of the web and move of our culture. So I then thought, as I read this passage, as a father, what, what does God want? 
Does he want dependent children or independent? Do, do we come to God with a sense of independence or a sense of dependence? Well, let's take our little journey very quickly. We'll follow our Lord through this long passage, but I think you'll see how the theme weaves its way through these different uh, stories. The first one, the parable, just a story Jesus told. This didn't really happen, just a story he made up of two men who go to pray at a temple. One's a Pharisee. We've, we've, you know about these guys, they, were, they saw themselves as very righteous and very pure. They despise others, like we saw in our last talk. And this man is pretty proud of himself. I thank you, God, I'm not like these other ones. I'm not a robber, a, a murderer, a tax fraud, a thief, a rebel, an adulterer. I'm a pretty decent bloke, pretty decent guy. Uh, and he doesn't, I, he doesn't need people, and he, he doesn't need God. He fasts twice a week. He tithes everything, everything, you name it. Money, income, cornflakes, he tithes a lot. But the one thing he doesn't do, he doesn't pray. Doesn't say, God, I need this. I thank you, God, I have everything. Doesn't ask for anything. That's the Pharisee. Then the tax collector. He won't even look up to heaven but beats his breast. He sees, as any honest person does, I think, the darkness in his own heart. Just, and he asks, doesn't he? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. One man comes to God with his hands full of all his achievements, his virtues, all he's done. One man comes to God with his hands empty. One man asks nothing from God and guess what he asks for? One man asks God for mercy and gets everything, doesn't he? Justified, saved, a child of God, adopted, wonderful, wonderful. And the Lord draws in this a simple principle that the person who exalts herself or himself is brought low and the one who's low is lifted up or colloquially the smaller you are the closer you get to God and the bigger you are the further away oh that's just a story he told he then moves on and we have this next story where we meet some real people as parents, a bit like today, I guess, brought their babies, as their smaller ones, to Jesus to be blessed by them. And the disciples say, oh, come on, guys, don't waste his time with babies. Come on, we're building, we are building a kingdom. This is a movement. Hey, come on. We, haven't, we, want, we have an appointment with kings and rulers, important people. Don't waste our time with people of no status. Get, and they rebuke them and shove them away. And our Lord rebukes the disciples. He says, in effect, guys, you got it wrongly around, upside down, back to front. You think the bigger you are, the closer you are. But I tell you, the smaller you are, the closer you get. And unless you become like a little child, because the kingdom of God is comprised of such as these. And then that remarkable statement, unless you become 
like a little child, you'll never see the kingdom. Now, you want to see the kingdom? You want to go to heaven? Want to be saved? Want to know God? Here's what you've got to do, he says. You must become like a little child. So we must get, we must get right what he means by that, because our eternity is at stake. He's not, talking about, he's not talking about a child's intelligence, of course not. Or even a child's faith. You often hear, oh, have the faith of a child. I've had little kids, okay? Their faith, it's a parrot faith. Actually, we had a, we had a pet parrot, a rainbow lorikeet. Actually, quite a pious, a pious parrot. He prayed. My parrot prayed. We'd say our devotions as a family. I'd say amen. Amen! Which would be the parrot. But that's a parrot prayer. And little kids have parrot. They just parrot you. They just, it's, not, it's, not, it's not faith. It's just parroting. It's a growing faith. It's not faith. Now, our Lord's talking about the essence of a child. We have four kids. Well, the, the word kids hardly applies. Joel is 30. <laughs> hardly kids. They're grown up now. They earn their own income. They make their own choices. They might consult me. Oh, by the way, I'm thinking of marrying Mary. Oh, I'm glad you told us. But they make, but they make their choices. We, we, we don't make their choices. We did when they were young. All of them. Every choice. They depended on us. You, you know this as parents. For everything. We chose where they went to preschool. They didn't ring around one day at the local preschools. Hello, I'm Susie. Uh, how many hours do you get in sleep time? Uh, I'm mum, dad. I've enrolled myself in the Captain Kangaroo. You, no, you, you make all the choices. They go on holiday. Well, you go on holiday. They eat what you feed them. Every single thing they have, you gave them. Everything they have. They depend on you as parents for everything. I love that movie, Home Alone. It's a great movie. I love the two bad guys. It's great, but it's stupid, isn't it? Left your kids home alone, you go to prison. They, they can't survive. Most kids, kids are not Macaulay Culkin. Kids, they're not, it doesn't happen. That's kids. I don't have kids anymore. I have adults who don't need me anymore. They love me, but they don't need me for anything. Now here, Jesus again. Unless you become like a little child, you never see the kingdom. When it comes to God and salvation, can you do it all yourself? Or do you need him? Well, you know the answer, don't you? You need him, not just for that, but for everything. Unless you become like a little child. So there's, there's a story of a man who was big and was humbled. And if you like, a little man, a humble man, who was exalted, so become like a little child. Let's now meet two flesh and blood examples of this. Our Lord has just said, unless you become like a little child, and a rich young man, hears him. Oh, that's interesting. He says, what should I do? What about me? Now, you know, I'm an important man. I'm a man people look up to. You can't expect me to become a child. What should I do? Oh, well, do the commandments. I've done them all. I've done them all. I reckon you push this guy. I bet he fasts twice a week. And pays a tithe on everything. Oh, he's very impressive. 
very impressive. Oh, well, do one more thing for you, says Jesus. Just one more thing. Put the, the cherry on the, the icing of your wonderful, the, the cake of your wonderful life. Go sell all you have and give to the poor. Let me ask you. If he sells all he has, what will he become? Why, he'll become, won't he? Like a little child. The Beatles, the greatest rock group of all time, sang a song. Give me money, that's what I want. Money can't buy everything, it's true. What it can't buy, I can't use. If I've got money, I've got, I've got a good health care. I've got a lovely husband and wife. I've got a great house. I've got the great car. I've got respect. I've got everything. Take it away. And I need you. I'm dependent. And the man walks away because he's wealthy. And can't give it up. So Jesus says how hard it is for a big man, a rich man, to enter the kingdom. But with God. Before we meet the other man, he stops to remind them why he's going to Jerusalem. To die. To do for us the one thing we can't do. I heard a lovely story a while ago about a man in the States he went to a college on a diving scholarship, not a Christian. And while there, he met a Christian who began to witness to him and was a little pushy, tried to give him a Bible. The guy said, just, just hang on, just okay, I'm just, I'll just think about this God stuff, but don't, don't, hassle, don't push me, don't hassle me. And they met a few times. And one night he went to the pool to practice the diving. And he walked inside the pool, it was dark, there was a big a skylight in the ceiling, and the moon shone through the skylight. And it just cast a shadow on the wall, the shadow of a cross. And the man climbed the steps, came to the edge of the, uh, the diving board, looked up and saw the shadow of the cross. And just there on the edge of that diving board, he just realised what God had done for him in Jesus. And he just said a prayer and gave his life to Christ. Uh, the pool warden came in and turned on the lights. And the men looked down into an empty pool. The water had been drained for cleaning. That's why he went to the cross, to die for us. Well, he walked down the road, meets another man, a beggar, a blind man, a blind man who sees more clearly than anyone else. He knows all about dependence. He spends his days depending. Give me, give me, give me. All the day begging. What's going on? It's Jesus. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have pity on me. And again, we're told those in front rebuked him. Just like the little children. Blind man, come on, out of the way. You're a nobody. Wrong again, guys. Have you forgotten? That the smaller you are, the closer you get. What can I do for you, blind man? Lord, I want to see. Receive your sight and salvation and life and everything. So there's our story. 
Those who exalt themselves are humbled. The humble exalted become like a little child. There's a big man who walks away, a little man who finds salvation, who's a beggar. But we meet one more man in Jericho named Zacchaeus. We're told two things about him. One, he's a tax collector. In Luke's Gospel, you find again and again the tax collectors mentioned with one other group of people again and again. Now, the tax collectors and sinners came to Jesus. Why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? And when he goes to his house, they say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Tax collector equals sinner. But this man isn't just a tax collector, he's the what? He's the chief tax collector. You see Luke's point? Chief in one category, chief in the other. He meets there in Jericho, our Lord, the chief of sinners, the lowest of the low, of all the least, the last. Oh, one more thing about him, we're told. He's wealthy. And what did Jesus just say about the wealthy? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a wealthy man to be saved. He's a chief sinner and wealthy. Oh, and by the way, a little man. He's short. He climbs a tree to see Jesus. But let me ask you, who's seeking who? Zacchaeus, I know your name. You're why I'm here. I came for you. Come down. I must. Remember that little word must, the last talk? I must. I must be about my father's business. We must celebrate. Zacchaeus, I must come to your house. God has sent me to you, the chief of sinners. The least of all, to bring you good news. And Zacchaeus welcomes him. And we know this because he does what the rich man couldn't do. He gives away his money to the poor. Because now there's someone he can depend upon for everything. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a great story. But gee, it's a hard story for Australia. I'll say two things from this wonderful story. I, am, I think gospel work in this country is really hard. I, I, this is an aside. I just think Asian immigration is saving the Australian church. All, my, all our big churches in certainly my city are mostly Asian. I reckon on campuses of 10 who come to faith, nine are Asian. One might be Caucasian Aussie. I think in part because, well, we're, we're independent. We live long lives. We're wealthy. <laughs> who needs God? I mean, who needs God? Not many little children amongst Aussie men and women, from my observation. But they're, they're the model of the kingdom. I heard a lovely story, I think it's true, of a, a man, a Christian guy, walking, flying on a plane, he had the middle seat. And to his right was another guy, 
And to his left was a little girl, only young, and somewhat handicapped, I think. Uh, and they're flying along, and the little girl turned to the guy, the Christian guy, and just said to him, Excuse me, do you brush your teeth? He said, Yes. Well, that's good, she said. Because if you don't, they'll rot and die. Flying along. Excuse me, do you smoke? No, I don't. Well, that's good. Because if you do, your lungs will rot and you'll die. Oh, excuse me. Do you love Jesus? Well, yes, I do. Oh, that's good, she said, because when you die, you'll go to heaven. They're flying on. Excuse me. You ask the guy next to you if he brushes his teeth. Excuse me, sir, uh, I, I'd like to know, do you brush your teeth? <laughs> Flying along. Excuse me, you ask the guy next to you if he smokes. Excuse me. At this point, the Christian, who's a somewhat reluctant evangelist, <laughs> has a fair idea what's coming next. Excuse me. <laughs> Will you ask the man next to you if he loves Jesus? And he says, excuse me, but the little girl and I would like to know if you love Jesus. And the man said, apparently, it's funny, you should ask me that. I've been thinking about, do you mind if we talked? If you'd ask me, who would you like next to you on a plane <laughs> to witness? Some years ago, it might be Billy Graham or some famous evangelist. For the Lord chose a little girl that some might pity. And I thought, I can't think of a better person to pick. A better model of the kingdom of heaven than a weak, helpless little child. For of such is the kingdom. And that's our gospel to this country. Unless you become like a little child. A friend of mine said to me a while ago when I taught at Moore College, one of my colleagues, he said, he said, Mike, when we pray, I think we should kneel. And I think he's right. It doesn't matter whether you kneel or sit or do-si-do. That doesn't really matter. But there's something right in what he says. I know most, I'm assuming most of you are members of Trinity Hills. I think you are. Maybe you're not, maybe you're just a guest here today and maybe what you've seen, which was incredibly powerful, thanks Cameron, it was just a privilege to be part of that. Maybe it's got to tweet your interest in God, I hope so. You're thinking, I wouldn't mind coming to God. That's wonderful, but let me tell you how to come. Not with an upright back and your head up. Thinking, I've got quite a bit to give the kingdom. If you come to God... My dear friend, you come to God on your knees with your head bowed and your hands empty. You say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and he will. And friends, I think, in a sense, we stay on our knees. Remember that your kids, when they were small, all the time, Dad, can I have an apple? 
Dad, I need 10 bucks for school excursion. Mum, I've got a headache. Can I have an aspirin? Mum, can I, can I play outside? Can I, can I? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Oh, that's, that's what they do. Actually, I loved it. I must say, I miss it now. Well, they do still ask for things. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but they're big things now. Anyway. <laughs> and I think... It's, I got to remember that as, as, as doing what I do as a preacher. I, do, I do, do this a lot, I'll be frank. I do this a lot. And the risk for me is to think, oh, I can do this. I've given talks before. Oh, so, so, Lord, bless the talks, amen. <laughs> really, it's a, it's a risk for me. How stupid of me. How stupid of me to think I can give a talk and impact people's lives in my strength. You arrogant fool. God says to me, Mike, love Sarah as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Oh yeah, I can do that. (laughs) No, I can't. No, I can't. And love your kids when they're good and when they're a pain in the neck. No, I can't. I'm just saying for every part of my life, every part, I've got to say, help me, help me, help me. I'm a little child, and you are too. That's why you see, I wind up with this, that's why at the heart of the Christian life is prayer. Do you know what the word prayer literally means? It means literally to ask. The thing you learned in Sunday school, the prayer is acts. Remember that? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's not strictly true. Adoration is giving God glory. Confession, saying sorry for your sins, being thankful. Supplication, petition, request. That's what prayer is. So when he says pray, the father's saying, ask. Lie to your kids. If you want something, honey, you just have to ask. And I love it. I love it when they ask me. And they remind me I'm their father. And you know what? I love to give them good things. I'm going to Hong Kong in September. I said to Laura, my daughter, who's got an income? Want to come? I'll pay. Love to. (laughs) You know what? I want to give it to her because I love her. Last bit of bad advice I was given. Here's another grumpy old man. My last grumpy old man moment for the day. When I was young, I was told this by someone. Well-meaning, but nonsense. (laughs) They said to me, Michael, don't bring your shopping list of requests to God. Have you ever heard that? It's rubbish. My problem is, and I suggest yours might be too, is that your shopping list is too short. Why do you go shopping? Because the cupboard is bare. If the cupboard is full, there's no need to shop. I don't pray as I should because in my folly, I think my cupboard is full. I can do it. 
I can love my partner. I can raise my kids. I can build this business. I can teach Sunday school. I, I can do it. I think the cupboard is full. And the fact is, my cupboard is empty. I need to shop every day with a long list. So dear friends, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, your eternity rests on that decision. Heaven and hell are the figment of a poet's imagination. And you know that. You know that. We will live forever. And the one man who can take you to heaven is the man who took away your sins, who did for you what you cannot do. So depend on him. And for the rest of us, remember again the words of our Lord. Unless you become and remain always like a little child, you'll never see the kingdom. Want to build God's church, build God's kingdom in the hills? You can as we come as little children. Because the smaller you are, the closer you get. Well, having said that about prayer, I should pray. Let me pray. Father, we know from your word how much you despise the proud. The sins of all the sins that you speak against and grieve you, it's the, proud, the pride and arrogance of people, particularly those who are religious and boast in their, their righteousness, and yet forget their need of you. So we just uh, come to you this afternoon as we wind up today, as it were, on our knees, confessing we have been proud, confessing our self-reliance, confessing that while with our, our lips we call you Father, we don't always come to you as the Father. So thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for this lovely picture you've given us of that little child, so dependent. So Father, we come to you this, this evening as dependent children Please forgive us. Please give us the kingdom. Please make us more and more like Jesus. Please help us to abound in love, especially for those we find it hard to love. Please give us the strength to serve. Give us patience with our loved ones, our kids, our spouses, our neighbours. Give us the fruit of the Spirit. Father, keep us, we pray, persevering until that day when we gather around your throne, we see you face to face, every tear is wiped away, every pain is just a memory. Keep us by your mighty power, we pray, until that day, persevering as little children, for Jesus' sake. Amen.